Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses for an audience of entrepreneurs who are building their businesses, like, um, frankly, like today's guests who are listening, and now they're here to tell their story. Um, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I work with people remotely and that I years ago learned that if you're working with people remotely, it's better to create guides. And I used to do it in Google Docs and then I used to do it in Notion, tried all these different tools. The pain of all of those tools is that you have to take screenshots and paste them and then add notes. And people always tell me create a video, but I can't stand sitting and listening to a video. I don't want to inflict a video on someone else or frankly, even on myself to go back and scrub through and find what I want. The key is screenshots. You give someone a set of screenshots, they know exactly what to do. So you know, why, why am I telling you this? Because I've said it's a pain. And today's guests have solved it. You're about to meet the uh, people behind Komodo decks. They are known for creating a screencasting tool that uh, you basically, you know how to use screencasting tools, right? You just hit record, you record your video and or your, your desktop and you explain what's going on. And it's beautiful and it works well. And what they'll probably want you to know is that it's really inexpensive. In fact, you can use it for free for unlimited videos, unlike their competition that's charging what? $10 a month per user, 20 bucks, something like that. Um, and so they're free, free forever, free unlimited. But to me, that's interesting. What's more exciting is I could create these guides where it automatically takes screenshots and explains it. And then I could edit it afterwards and I could, you know, have that. Well, I invited him here to find out about their business. I assumed it was a big business and I got more excited when I realized it's a smaller company because, um, I get more fired up listening to people who are bootstrapping, who are starting smaller businesses that are more like the kinds that we, me and my listeners, can create. And so I'm happy to have them on here. Joining me is Hanan Grauer, the founder of the company behind Komodo, and Harry Brodsky. I don't exactly know what Harry's title is there, but Harry came over for Scotch Night at my office years ago, and he reconnected with me, kept telling me about Komodo. And so I invited him and Hanan on here, and we could talk about how they built their business. Thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, if you're curious about DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, I have a whole podcast about them. Go check it out at joinorigami.com slash podcast. And if you're hiring a developer, get one from Lemon, inexpensive but phenomenal developers at lemon.io slash Mixergy. All right. Hold on, Harry, good to have you here. Harry, what is your title? What do you do there? I am a co-founder of uh, Komodo. Beyond mm -hmm. that, just really helping with outreach, helping spread the message of Komodo and uh, just uh, really just trying to get us out there. Okay. Um, what can you tell me about what the revenue is? <laughs> is that for me or for Hanan? <laughs> I'm going to ask either one of you, but I saw blank stares from both of you because I know you're not super... <laughs> excited to share all your financials here and i don't want to know them all but what can i know how big is it yeah so first of all andrew thanks for having us here very much appreciate yeah. that fans of your show um we're not disclosing revenue because we're a private company uh so it's, it's still small um but we can talk about sort of the trajectory of the business where we envision it you don't want to stay what can, what can you give me a, you gave me the numbers before what do you feel comfortable saying publicly hundreds of thousands millions it's, it's in the hundreds of thousands. Okay. And it's fully bootstrapped? 100% bootstrapped, yes. And how many users do you have a month? It's, uh, today, it's around 50,000 users a month. Okay. Um, that are logging in, creating these guides you alluded to earlier, um, okay. doing the recordings. And lots of folks are using it typically for work, to do like updates for 
you know, status updates on their designs or engineering or bug reports and things like that, variety of use cases. You were telling me before we got started that the idea came from a product that took off but not big enough for a, for a bootstrap business. What was that idea that led to this one? Yeah, so we, so we have always been trying different ideas, just sort of like side projects. They're just a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's probably the most fun in the company, I think, is in the very beginning when you get to poke with ideas and see what happens. Um, and around 2015, we created a mobile product called Vs. Um, and there was a video communications app where people send videos to each other. Um, it sounds simple to send a video on the mobile phone from one phone to another, uh, but to do it quickly has been really challenging. And we spent about a year and a half just on the technology, on the compression technology, on the upload technology, on the, on the video standards, understanding how they work to make this process fast. Um, the product itself didn't take off as a company. Um, and we can talk about that, you know, like in lessons we've learned. But a lot of the like technical principles that we've learned about video, about streaming, uploading, compression, have been applied to Komodo. So I don't think Komodo would not be possible um, if we didn't invest that much time into understanding um, how, how does it actually work quickly and like, you know, so how do you optimize that whole process? So that, that got us started. I see Vs right here. I'm actually in the Google Play Store and I see your photo in one of the product screenshots. <laughs> It's basically a, a messaging app where instead of chat with text bubbles, it's chat using video bubbles, and that's the way people communicate back and forth, record a video of each other. What worked about it and what didn't work about it? Yeah, I mean, what worked is when people signed on and invited the, um, other members, so like people onboarded their friends. Right. And if you build that sense of a small group, you know, um, it started, people started using it. The biggest it's challenge- inherently viral. All messaging apps an, are viral or failures, right? Correct, but the, the, hard, the part that we couldn't figure out that was hard was to get it in terms of growth to get other people to come in. So let's say Harry signs up and Harry has no friends on it. What's the incentive for Harry to invite other friends to it? And how do you make that happen? Um, and that process was actually quite challenging to figure out. So there's a lot of marketing uh, that needs to be, to happen there. A lot of a lot of like different trial and error. Um, but I think I think like the hardest challenge for a tech company today is probably this marketing and distribution. Not so much on the tech itself. Um, there's a lot of smart people who build tech who could figure this out. Um, but it's sort of like these new marketing channels, and it's it's I'd say it's a lot harder today because when we started it, there's way too many messaging apps. I mean, in hindsight, it's sort of naive. <laughs> to build a messaging product when you're competing with giant companies. Um, but but I think the challenge now for anybody who would build a messaging product would be a marketing uh, problem. Yeah, there was a period there where messaging was like a desperate need. If somebody had text messaging on their phone and they were being charged by the phone company, yeah, there's a desperate need there. If somebody had text messaging and suddenly their boss and coworkers were texting them, there's a need for a business text, uh, texting and chatting app. But I could see how that Absolutely. issue started being addressed and the market started to be saturated. How did you then go from there to Komodo? What was the need yeah. that you saw that led you to create this new business? Yeah, so we took a pause after these, maybe a year or so, didn't do anything, just continued to work on my day job. Um, and then around 2018, 
we had a conversation at a bar with an executive, a client of ours, and we discussed all these, you know, we work in that tech. I, I have a company that works in that tech, so we see a lot of learning products. And uh, a lot of these products have, have we needed the computer to run. Like, let's say if I wanted to record my PowerPoint or a PDF file, typically it would happen on the, on the computer. Um, and professors do that a lot. So faculty, when they record lectures, they record themselves talking through a PowerPoint. That's sort of like everywhere. So we decided, hey, we could do a mobile product of this where you can ingest the PowerPoint or any PDF file, record. You'll have a camera bubble. You can let you easy edit it. And you can publish your video. And it was kind of just lingering there in the store. Nothing really was going on. And then, like, when COVID arrived, I remember this around, like, 2020. Holy crap, you know? It was like everybody was told you can't leave the house. You have to be at home. And all, all the schools sent their students home. And all of a sudden, we started to see these spikes of, like, usage. And, like, we're like, what is going on? And, we found and a tool that, that you just created, a tool that yeah. you just created and left in the app store. Yeah, I mean, we were innovating and trying to come up with ideas, but nothing really was like getting traction, you know, it was just like lingering. Before we go into what happened next and how you understood your users, why did you create it? There was Loom, there were other tools that did it, not as many as there are today, but why did you even need another tool? What were you doing differently? Yeah, so to answer this question, we got to go a little deeper. Um, okay. On the, on the mobile phone or on an iPad, it's actually really difficult to record a PowerPoint presentation that you're annotating with the pencil, let's say, in the Apple iPad. Or edit, like, let's say if your presentation is 20 pages and you record one long video, which is what's possible on mobile, if you make a mistake yeah. anywhere, you got to go back and redo the thing or edit it somewhere else. We made an experience where every slide is like a video itself. So if you didn't like one slide, you would just re-record that slide and leave everything else uh -huh. intact. For a faculty member who records an hour lecture as a common sort right. of like daily thing, it's hugely powerful and valuable. Um, and, and like they, they called us and they said, hey, we love it. You know, can we get this in the school? Can we get this at the university? Principals started using it. They started using it for all kinds of things we didn't even envision. Um, it was even used by the church. So the, the priest was given a sermon using Komodo to record <laughs> wow. using the okay. PowerPoint in church. I never knew that. <laughs> so, and, 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 and Hanad, and one thing you, uh, you mentioned a lot about is we didn't know what existed in the marketplace. We weren't even looking what else was in the marketplace. We just knew what was needed. And Well, we're kind of naive in that sense. We, we like to build products and we sort of build them for ourselves. Probably not the best strategy, by the way, if you're trying to build a business. But they're having fun, you know? Um, and so, like, we built this mobile thing, and, like, it seemed to be, like, really take off, you know, in around 2020, where, like, you just went straight up. Um, and then we learned, like, we have thousands of faculty that have been using it. And then we learned the next problem, and the next problem is trying to sell to faculty is really difficult. Um, so when I say faculty, we're, we're talking all the way from kindergarten to high school to grad to post-grad to like, right? So all different spectrums, they all use video, videos everywhere. And it's international from day one in any language. Uh, we found that to, like typically faculty don't earn well, or like, you know, it depends of course who you talk to, but like relatively on the income level, it was like very tough to make a sale. So we thought, you know what? Instead of selling it to education, why don't we pivot this to companies and, and make a business product, something we can sell to businesses. 
And that's when Komodo was born. That, that's when we first created a, an extension tool. Then we discovered there's competition as well. We started getting into that direction. Um, but we sort of pivoted. And what we did with education was we let them use it for free. And so, because we decided that during COVID times when they're using this for math class and like in different countries explaining like concepts, mathematical concepts, it was philosophy, it was in biology, in virology, it was used a lot actually to talk about vaccine, like so many different cases, stuff I know not much about. We decided that, first of all, we understood why education was discounted, by, by companies discount products to education, that became clear. Um, and we decided to let them use it and we, we didn't want to charge them. So, so we pivoted the business, we turned it into something we could work with companies, um, and that's what happened after that whole experience. I'm so surprised that teachers wouldn't, I mean, we're looking at $3 or $5 a month. I'm surprised that they wouldn't even take that out, but I guess it doesn't really increase their revenues. They don't have a culture of just spend money on SaaS the way that we do. Well, and it's a different world. Yeah. The bureaucracy of getting anything. <laughs> right. I, I just, in my world, I, mean, I just look, wouldn't even go through education. the bureaucracy. I would just pay for it, but it's a, it is a different world. Yeah, you have to work with committees. If you ever sell to education, yeah. you, have, you have to work with like the Board of Education, for example. It takes a very long time. Yeah. Um, or at the university level, there's committees. Um, it, it's a high-touch sales process, a very expensive sales process. Okay, and so you decided we're going to start to pivot to businesses. Were businesses using the tool at all? So, yes. So we've seen, you know, we talk to users, one of the things... I do is, is like, I handle all the customer support, for example, Harry helps out, but like, I'm the guy they, they reach when they have a question and this is strategic advantage because then you sort of have the pulse of your customer, right? And if you answer their question, you can also say, what are you using this for? And so we've had a bunch of companies use it. And so they would do, they would do like annual calls or, or quarterly company reviews where an executive would take Komodo take a deck, like let's say there was one tractor company, I remember, that summarized how many tractors they sold in the quarter to farmers. And um, they would take Komodo and record an entire deck of what they did to sell these tractors, what the business distribution was, which channels are working, which channels are not working, and they sent it to the whole company. Um, and so you, we found little pockets of it, but we also found that companies don't really use mobile products. So if you talk to anyone who, who works, um, most of them are on computers, you know, which was like common sense. But we figured out very quickly that to make a business to be successful at this, we need to port this to a web technology or some or some desktop technology to enable them so Wait. they don't do they don't take out a phone. Yeah. Were were teachers doing that? Teachers were using iPhones, iPads to teach? So for teachers very different. So teachers with their so what they're doing is, let's say, an iPad, they import a PowerPoint, they record a lecture, then they upload it, and then they use Google Classroom or some other LMS to expose it to their students or Canvas, you know, whatever it is. So the process wasn't that intricate. In businesses, it's not so much you're recording a deck. A lot of the times you need to record a demo or you're recording some feedback, for example, like let's say UX feedback on some product. That's not a PowerPoint. You need to be interacting. You need to work. You need to log in. You know, there's all this other stuff that has to happen that's missing on the mobile phone. Um, and so we found very quickly that, like, for us to enter into conversations with companies, that was a big ask is we need something to be able to work with our existing environment. 
And so how would they tell you that they were doing this? Why would they even bother using you if that's what they were trying to do? Are you talking about the businesses? Yeah. Like how, if, if I found a tool in the app store that worked for worked, but not for me, I wouldn't necessarily contact the maker and say, I wish you had a desktop app or actually, you know, maybe I would, maybe um, I would say this is really useful. Well, I could use it on a desktop. Do you have that instead? What's funny actually is like, it's like you say, they, they download it, they play with it. And then they, let, they record, let's say a quarterly demo to the company. And next question is how can I do more with this? And so like they had a good experience with it, right? They had a good experience with doing this demo, this recording. Okay. And then that's an incentive to reach out and say, hey, like I want to do this every week. I want to have quarterly updates where like instead of us all getting in the room every week, let's say weekly updates, I can I can record a 30-minute update for the company and then do a 10-minute Q&A instead of wasting 30 minutes on Zoom going through one-to-many conversation. So, so people are, if, they, if people like something, they do reach out. And also, if they don't like it, they do the same thing. If something disappoints them, they'll reach out and yell at us as well. <laughs> so that works both ways. Okay. And so you said, all right, we've got to start making this into a desktop app. It's not profitable at this stage, but still you're starting to see some momentum and you think, all right, if we invest a little bit, give them what they're looking for, this could be a profitable business. Yeah. So to talk about profitability, it's also important to understand the expense side of the equation. So... We did not raise money, um, right? We don't have a, a huge staff. So, so we run a company that's very lean. In terms of, you know, the big expenses for us is sort of like the uh, payroll and the infrastructure. Um, marketing, we're getting into a little bit. Um, so from the hosting perspective, just to run Komodo, if you remove us, let's say Harry and I go away, Komodo will still run, right? It still runs in the cloud, self-sufficient, a lot of cool tech in there. We're already breaking even on that in terms of monthly revenue. So, so in terms of like all the users that we love, right, that support us, that are paying for Komodo, is covering the entire infrastructure capacity to run this tool. And on our platform, about 100 to 200 hours of video is created every day to give you a sense of scale. Right, so it's creating massive amounts of video content. There's bandwidth costs in there, there's hosting costs in there. Um, so from the infrastructure standpoint, we're already good. Now we're looking at taking the company to the level of covering all the developers, right? Covering everybody who works in the business and doing it sort of organically versus a tr- traditional venture around, right? And raising funding. So we, we found just on that note, what's interesting is if we raise money, we're gonna be good at spending money. Um, if you don't raise money, you have to be good at making money. <laughs> and <laughs> no, I'd much I, rather um, just focus I, on making it. Yeah, I get that. All right, actually, let me take a moment talk about my first sponsor, and then we'll come back and talk about how the two of you met because it was at a failed uh, startup, at least according to your LinkedIn profile. Um, but first, my sponsor is Origami, which creates DAOs. It's from the makers of Orange DAO. Do you two know much about DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations? Yes, you do. Yep. What do you think about them? I love it. I think. I, I, oh, oh God. Uh, I, 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 yeah, no, I, I love them too. And I think um, we're just seeing the beginning of what is possible with DAOs. I agree. You know what? I 
first heard about Orange Dow from Ben Ha, one of my past interviewees, he said, look, all of us Y Combinator founders got together, people who were backed by Y Combinator. And we created this alumni group, and then the alumni group formed a Dow, and then the Dow started making investments. Then we raised, I don't know, what, 70-plus million dollars uh, to make investments together. And I, I told a friend of mine, Anthony Martin, who's also a Y Combinator founder, why don't you join? And he goes, I don't know. To be in there feels like we have to all come to consensus before we do anything. Thinks He says, I'm not a consensus guy. So I said, Anthony, can you just go join and let me sit in your, in your house and watch what happens in the Discord and like how the conversations work? And so he goes, all right. He went into the town hall. He let me watch. Um, and I started to see something through that and through talking to others who are in the group. It's not everybody come to consensus. It's more like one person has an idea and goes, I think this is a great idea. Can I get enough of you to say this is okay so that, and give me a little bit of money to go pursue the idea? There's a vote on that for sure. But then the person has the money and he gets to go off and, and run with this idea. Like one, one idea that uh, got funding was a fellowship. A guy says, give me some money. I'll invest in entrepreneurs. If they start businesses that we want to invest in, we could then fund them and they have to let us fund them. If not, mm. fine. Yeah. So he got funding for that. Another entrepreneur who I talked to uh, last week, Ishan, he said, hey, I think we should create a really good podcast here. Give me a little bit of money. Here's what I will do with the money. I'll buy mics and I'll do this and I'll do that. We'll hire an editor and then we'll publish a podcast for our community. And so he got the money and now they're not going to sit over his shoulder and, and you know, take a vote on every single thing he does. He's got the money. He's got the power to go and create a podcast. And so he reached out to me. He said, Andrew, tell me how I could make this into a really good podcast. That's the idea behind a DAO. You get a collection it's of people. Powerful. Yes, there's yeah. some voting. And yes, it's powerful. What what gets you excited about it, Hanan? Seems like you've got some experience here. Um, I've been following this for a while. And so just, you know, I've been bullish on crypto since the beginning. So I still remember the 2018, like the financial crisis, 2008, 2009, when Bitcoin was born. And I was trying to buy it, and it was so difficult. And it's one of the most exciting things I think happening in our, in our industry is what's happening with crypto and open it, like the AI stuff that's happening now. It's kind of taken that wave. Both of these things, I don't think people realize, like it, it hasn't even started in my opinion, because we haven't really seen Bitcoin and sort of other like tokens out there really start to transform the economy. It hasn't even started. And like it's already at these prices now, just, just in the price asset alone. And the, pro the projects that are here, like you're talking about DAOs, I've seen there's so many of them, right, that, I'm like, that are around on Twitter and the communities. And like we don't know how it's all going to go, but as an organ like this is a new organization design. And like we haven't That's had exactly that. exactly it. I, I, I don't know where it's going to so. go. And we and we clearly have some who are knuckleheads and we have some who are well-intentioned people who've created these DAOs, but it's a community and it's really hard to keep it going and the community is kind of junky. But we also have some that are absolute successes and I want to study them. And so I created a podcast with Origami. Origami is uh, by the people who created Orange DAO. They created a bunch of other DAOs. And so we now have a podcast where I interview their successful DAOs, but also others to understand what's working in this space and what is not. And um, and that's what that's what this Origami podcast is. If you're interested, go to joinorigami.com slash podcast. Harry, what was the business that the two of you joined in on where you met? Sure. So um, Hanan started a uh, business way back when called uh, Investio. And I think we met at a friend's um, 
fashion event and I always had an interest in entrepreneurship and I um I was introduced to Hanan and um Hanan told me that he was uh trying a few things and really trying to uh, get into the uh entrepreneurship game and I just told Hanan I said listen I don't know what kind of value I can provide to you I don't know how I can help you but I want to help you and I remember there was a little reluctance at the beginning well who are you how are you going to help and <laughs> I just said I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And we just kept in contact um, from that day on. And, you know, as time went on, you know, there were some ideas that started to get uh, uh, crystallized in terms of how I can help. And one of the uh, ways that we identified how I can help is to really spread the message of whatever Hanan and his team are building Mm. um, and try to make it into business. And, you know, it's funny. I come from a technical background. Not a sales background. I was going to say your whole LinkedIn profile is about tech, not not. So actually, sales. so I get confused with another Harry Brosky. That's not my LinkedIn profile. Just full disclosure. Oh, so there's where my confusion was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not me. But I do have a, But I do come from tech, um, okay. and uh, really from the project management, um, business analysis side. You know, work with developers. No sales experience whatsoever, but. For some reason, I think maybe it's just something that's ingrained in me is that I don't know my limits. And what that means is that I'll reach out to anyone and no one is, no one to me is uh, too high above of me reaching out to, to try to have a conversation with. And, you know, I'll just, you know, I see a wall in front of me and I'll just try to smash through it from a, you know, I don't know if that's a acid liability, both, I don't know, but um, it's been helpful in the past and just trying to What's an example get of interest. that? How have you been working with Komodo to promote it, to open up doors that otherwise wouldn't be open? You know what? Uh, that's a great question. And um, I'll, I'll email anybody. I'll, you know, I, I'll. Oh, wait. They're, First they're, say, sure. if it wasn't for Harry, we would not be on AppSumo because he found the thing. I didn't even know what that was. So that was <laughs> your point. first so, big marketing success. Sorry. You've tried a bunch of other things. They didn't work. AppSumo worked yeah how did you open up the door to AppSumo so that's funny and that was kind of unintentional so um AppSumo uh for those who don't know is uh run by a great guy named Noah Kagan and Noah releases a lot of great content on YouTube um and I just reached out to him cold email said I love your content uh you know as an entrepreneur it's really been helpful and then he asked me a little bit more about the company and I said, well, here's what we do. And then he said, you know, this would be great to have featured on AppSumo. I said, all right, great. How do we make it happen? And, you know, took it from there. But yeah, just honestly, that was that was an outreach that I didn't even think about, you know, doing that from a business perspective. It was just, hey, I love your content. And he was nice enough to reach out back to me and we got it rolling from there. <laughs> That's something I need to keep doing more and more of. Sometimes it feels like it's a big waste because you don't get a response um, or you get a bunch of responses that have nothing to do with any goal, but it's worth it. Over time, you end up building these relationships. Absolutely. I mean, look at this interview. If it wasn't for Harry, yeah. I don't know if he would connect right. also because he, re- he took the initiative no. to reach out to you. And there's, there's thousands of examples like that. So here he's a star. You know what? I used to, we were talking about how we did scotch night at my office. What do you remember about that? I miss those scotch nights. So I remember, you know, it's funny. I remember how refreshing it was to be in a room and just have people in the room not have any guards up 
I, mm. I remember we were we we're just talking about kind of the uh, battle wounds of entrepreneurship and really being vulnerable and just really being honest with one another. I remember that very well. And I said to myself, wow, I wish I had more of these types of uh, interactions where just people are no guards up, very vulnerable, very forthcoming with information. I remember that very vividly. I remember doing that and it was something that if people were in town for a conference, they would come over for that. They would... I would make sure that we'd have somebody there at least once a week for a scotch. And since I moved out of that office and here to Austin, I don't know how to recreate that. I'd love to have people over to the house, but I don't know if it's the same experience. You know, the thing about San Francisco was it's all so tight. You're it's even smaller and tighter than New York city. If you're there, you're basically at my office. So you might as well pop up for a drink. You, you know, you can go to dinner before or after. It was it was such a good setup, and I missed I missed the hell out of that. I'm, I, you know, in my opinion, you know, it's more about the people than the uh, logistics. But uh, I'm sure if you tried to do it again, you could have it happen. But uh, yeah, it is true. I actually lived in San Francisco for about three years. I moved out there from New York. Um, it's true. Everything is pretty compact over there. But uh, you you put good people and good conversations, and I think logistically, you know, it'll work out. So I've been doing it occasionally nights. here by by a fire here in Austin, Texas. And if it's a nice night out and you've got a fire, it's way better than sitting in an office with some scotch. But it's hard to pull that off on a regular basis. Okay, so that's what you're doing. Constantly reaching out to people and not necessarily like promoting an idea, not necessarily promoting some kind of marketing angle. But that's that's what often happens as a result of it. Yeah, and, right. and also and also some of my other ancillary responsibilities in addition to uh, helping Hanan with the customer support, which Hanan is really driving that, uh, just doing market research, really kind of playing an analytical role as well. So seeing, okay, uh, what's out there in terms of feature sets of other uh, market participants, seeing where there's a gap. So kind of the analytics piece as well. So the sales, the analytics, and then just some customer support. Yeah, it looks like you guys are all very proud of customer support. I think when we talked before the interview started and I said, show me your features. Let me see what I might have missed as a user, as someone looking at other people using it on, on YouTube. And Hanan goes, oh, we constantly take feedback from our users. That's all we're about. And I go, I asked you to see the features, not to hear the, how it's how it's done, but I could see the pride that he had. So I let him keep going with it. All right, come back then to marketing. Now you've, you've got Komodo up, you've decided to go business angle. How much time did it take you to get to say, we're ready, let's start selling this to businesses? Yeah, I mean, we are moving quickly and we're at the point where the company is expanding. So we're starting well, to- Well, let's go uh, again to the past. Before AppSumo, and I'm curious about how well that worked, before AppSumo, you tried a few different marketing uh, ideas. What, what worked, what failed, what'd you learn? Yeah, so, you know, Harry reached out to a bunch of companies of, of different sizes. And Harry is really good at getting interest. And so uh, typically Harry would reach out, I'm going to share a little bit of your strategy, to the sure. CEO with like uh, just, you know, and, and I'm sure these people get emails, the hundreds of them per day. But he is able to just get in there and get a response. And I don't know how, that's his magic power, you know, he's able to get a response. And the next thing we know is that sets up a meeting. And we start talking to companies. Um, what we've learned is working with companies, it takes a long time. And also it depends on the scale of the company. So if we're talking to companies that are, let's say, almost going public, very late stage, venture funded, um, it becomes much more complex. So what we've learned is 
we're missing a lot. We're missing a lot of the core features that they need. Uh, for example, very specific security control, um, auditing, um, compliance, right? Like these are all things that are very important to bigger companies. Um, and we started learning that. Um, and so like we, we had a lot of these conversations going. Um, and then the market <laughs> starting this year also started taking a hit. And in the beginning of the year, I'd say probably since last year, right? Since like we started to get into where we are now, we found that a lot of companies have actually stopped funding or stopped acquiring the software. The market sort of turned a little bit. That's what we've learned. Um, but from there, like we know what we know the, the approach and the marketing approach we're going to tackle. So based on that experience with Harry and these conversations, there's many of them. We know that the companies we want to target are between 10 to 50 employees. After we become successful at that, we're going to go 50 to 250, let's say. After we're successful at that, go upstream, 250 and above. And every single tier... So this is enterprise sales. It's, it's enterprise sales. It's not about how do we get more people to use our free trial and then have solopreneurs use us and then share it with their... Uh, uh, virtual assistants will then tell their other clients to use them. That's not it. It's more like Harry's doing enterprise sales as a way of learning what enterprise wants and a way of selling. Correct. But wow. then we okay. made a discovery. We made a discovery because after AppSumo, it was like another thing that out of many. Um, that resulted in a crazy amount of traffic right crazy amount of support calls and we sold i could say this publicly because there, there's a blog post about this it's going to come soon we sold about five thousand seats uh through the AppSumo campaign which is a lot um and honestly we weren't even ready to do all the all the support that you need when you have so many people on you know i was getting my phone was blown up 24 hours a day people couldn't log in like basic questions right but like they needed some guidance but we've learned there there's another marketing approach here which is like what you just alluded to, solopreneurs, designers, small companies, all of a sudden they started buying 30, 50 seats in huh. tiers. And they started onboarding, like the AppSumo campaign how it became structured as you could buy you know, one seat, you could do five seats, you could do, I think it was like, I don't remember, 15 seats and then it was 50, one of those. And we sold a bunch of 50 seats and so we learned that they onboarded the entire company. And we, I, I've never seen that before. So like, it's basically like an owner of a business. It could be like an agency of some sort, acquires a license and then onboards their staff, including in some of their customers. <laughs> and the only, all these people are working together. Um, and so like from that experience, we figured out that like there, there's a way to actually get marketing from targeting some of the solopreneurs and some of the solar smaller companies so they onboard and invite others to it. Um, your camera disappeared, Andrew, by the way. Uh, it, it might just be, we use Riverside and Riverside might just be thinking that it's too much bandwidth for us, but it's still recording it. Um, mm. I so, wouldn't yeah. have thought that AppSumo would, would have so. such big clients, but they're phenomenal. I thought all they would have is in my mind, a solo entrepreneur is a one person operation, only one person in the company, virtual assistants and contractors. Yes. But they're just them. You're saying AppSumo started bringing in bigger businesses who would then buy it and give it away as gifts. And I'm imagining part of it is that they do lifetime sales, right? Which you Correct. and yeah, other SaaS companies don't. And was it Correct. profitable? Was it worthwhile for you financially to have been in this deal if you get just one sale and that's it? So here's what I'll say on that. That's a great question. 
for a company that's trying to get early feedback and trying to get early usage, big advantage, even if you lose money. And so for us, you know, we, we made money on this deal for sure because our expenses are low. Um, but as a long-term sort of like approach to running a business, I wouldn't recommend doing that. So, you know, if you ever, if you ever do it, if another entrepreneur is listening to this, I would do like one or maybe two lifetime sort of campaigns. But after that, um, you'll find that monthly expenses will not work when you're selling somebody a product for a lifetime, especially if you got hosting expenses, marketing expenses, staff expenses, and so on. So, but for us, it brought in an avalanche of feedback from different folks. And, and also these folks have told us about other products we didn't even know about, that they said, this does this and this does that. Maybe you could learn from this over here. Maybe you could take this feature there. And all of a sudden, I realized very quickly that I don't know that much, <laughs> but like we were just starting to scratch the surface in terms of what's possible and what's been done. And what the most important thing AppSumo taught us is that there are still many problems in the space that are not solved. Um, there's, and, still, there's still a lot of them. Yeah. And I, I just want to add, you know, AppSumo has been a great partner and, you know, it really gave us a lot of exposure to get that really useful feedback for us to build out our, uh, our product roadmap. Uh, you know, AppSumo is, um, you know, they're great. Uh, it's, it's a form of marketing essentially because, you yeah. know, they, they do the lifetime deals, uh, but they've been great and just really getting us exposure and more importantly, getting us feedback to build out our product roadmap, which has been you know just absolutely invaluable. And, I, and I've heard there are people say in the past, look, you're going to make some money now. It's not going to be a ton of money, but you'll get users and you'll also get a lot of customers after the deal. And sure enough, that does happen. Like when I went and looked you up, it wasn't just the AppSumo video that I saw. It was other people who I guess were affiliates of AppSumo who are creating videos about AppSumo yeah. deals and explaining the software as a way of sending people to AppSumo who will then buy and then they'll get a commission on the deal. So it does feed into more customers than, yeah. uh, than you directly get. All right, second sponsor, Lemon.io. Anyone out there who's looking to hire developers to augment their team, to in fact, if you want to even start creating your team of developers, you want people who are good, who you can count on, who happen to cost less than others. In fact, more and more, the happen to cost less than others is really important. Challenge them. Go to Lemon.io slash Mixergy, and I'm saying use my URL because I want credit, but also because they'll give you a bigger discount than other people get. Use my URL and challenge them next time you're hiring. If they don't get you better people at a lower price than you can find elsewhere, fine, move on. But I think you're going to be as impressed as many other people who've listened to me who've signed up and have gotten phenomenal results at prices that just are exciting. Go to lemon.io slash Mixergy for all your development needs and um, let me know how it goes. All right. I should give out my email address more and more. It's andrew at mixergy.com, andrew at mixergy.com. All right. So first year, did you, I guess I'm trying to get a sense of the trajectory. How, how much growth were you getting from all these sales? Well, so the AppSumo campaign is ended, but usage has remained sort of consistent and still, and still growing. You mean your growth, right, so company, it's not like you got a big and jump so, and then sales went down afterwards. Yep. Okay. Right. So there's still people finding it like through the video, maybe you saw, maybe some other affiliate videos. Yep. It taught us that we also need an affiliate marketing like strategy. 
and we need to build an affiliate network because a bunch of people reached out to us and said, how can we do the selling? Right? Like, how can we go out there yeah. and blog about you and talk about you and make videos? I'm like, oh my God, we have to do this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, as engineers, you don't, like, I never, I don't think about this stuff because I'm not a, I'm not a marketing person. And if you ask me, like, if you, if you put 10 marketing, like CMOs in front of me, I won't be able to tell you which one was the best. If you put 10 developers in front of me, I could do that. Yeah. You know, I can give them some exercise and see who's more creative. So this is like a, like an area that you have to learn very quickly. But there, there's one sort of key insight that we learned from all of this um, that, that Komodo offers, that, I, that no one in the industry offers. Um, and, and so like what we've learned now is that the next growth path, path is there's a lot of different competitors out there in terms of screencasting. Right, you could use many different tools. The business model for these tools is you, you typically get some videos for free, maybe 10, 10 or so, and you have five minute caps. After that, you have to subscribe to pay for the service. And we want to challenge that model and challenge the industry and pass the consumer savings where we're offering unlimited recording for free. And you might ask, how is it possible? Right? How do you know to go out of business? And the answer to that is there has been significant changes in terms of bandwidth and storage costs over time. They've been trending down even as inflation has been going up. So if if you look at, if you adjust it for inflation, the storage costs went up just a little bit because, you know, inflation was there. But if you look over a 10 year or 20 year, even a span of time, you're going to see a declining chart. This happens with cloud computing. This happens with compute power. This is happening right now with AI in terms of GPUs you could buy in the cloud. You could buy more GPUs cheaper. And so the infrastructure costs have been really going down. And like, I think the industry should be challenged with how they operate now in terms of like pricing. Um, and we kind of want to challenge that and offer basically anyone the ability to record as much as they want with no caps. And how the business will work, how do we make money is all they have to do on our side is convert about two to three percent of our users to premium members, which pays for the entire thing. Two to three percent. Yes. Two to three percent conversions, and the way you're funding all this is this isn't your your first business. Obviously, we've talked about others, but you've got a company called Touch App Media, right? Where right. You've been running it since 2010. It's profitable. Can you give me a sense of revenues there? How big is that business and what does it do? Yeah, it's in the millions uh, a year in terms of revenue, mm-hmm. private company. Also um, bootstrap. I've been running also bootstrap, but it became revenue positive from day one. <laughs> because uh, I'll tell you a quick story. I went to a paintball game uh, with, a, with a guy, his name is James Kennigsberg, a friend of mine and the co-founder of a company called 2U. Uh, CTO there and through that paintball game we bonded and next thing we talked about is how can you help us build mobile apps for the company and I didn't have any experience with this by the way and like at at that at around 2010 there was no standards for building mobile apps really because it's so new 2007 is when the iPhone came out 2010 is when the iPad came out I say we started the company three years too late we should have been there in 2007 different story um but basically from that relationship we scaled and we pretty much build roadmaps for big companies in terms of their mobile strategy for people that get degrees online so some of the highlights we had a 
during the Persian Gulf, we had a guy in Iraq using a mobile phone <laughs> uh, on base, getting his MBA degree from UNC. Um, and like that wouldn't be possible without a mobile device, internet connection. Um, so like, and so your clients we, we, are we schools, schools that need to go need mobile experiences, right? Yeah, to be more accurate, it's OPM providers. That's a market term, online program managers. These are the companies that run um, for on behalf of schools. They run university-based programs like degrees. There's also short okay. courses. There's boot camps. There's other flavors of that. Um, you might have heard of Coursera, for example. And so Coursera mm -hmm. gives you free courses, but they also run uh, degrees uh, for their university partners. Um, and that's sort of an OPM provider. So. So we partnered with the OPM provider to help them build their mobile strategy. And that's been pretty good. Like this, this is, this has carried us long ways. And, and like you said, it provides funding for what we're doing on Komodo for sure. What do you think about AI in the future for all these explainer videos that people are creating internally? Where do you think that would go? I think we have to move very fast. Any entrepreneur who runs a SaaS company needs to be obsessed over this. <laughs> and so not just in video, but in general with what's happening, um, it sort of took, take the industry by storm. Um, we're going to do a lot with it. We're going to do a lot with it for Komodo in terms of like the value we provide to our users. Um, and in terms of like building insights from video, helping them be more creative, more productive. Um, but it's really important to be, you know, to stay on top of what's happening in this, you know, in terms of like the evolution of this and what it does. I, I think it's going to change our life. I think it will change how we work. I think it's how we it's going to change how we produce things. I think it's going to change how much code we develop. Um, I don't I don't particularly feel threatened by it at least now, um, because you know some folks even on our team are like, oh my god, I don't need to code anymore. <laughs> like this can it, it, it's easy to see how this will write better code than a a well-versed developer. It's easy to see it get there. It's not there yet, but if you give it some time, it's easy to see it's going to write better code from a sentence than a developer can. Um, but I, I just want to say from my opinion, I know a lot of people are very fearful of uh, their job security with AI, but you know what? I'd like to remind these people that these same fears were around when, at the advent of the personal computer. Oh my God, this thing's going to take my job. What we've seen, we haven't seen people... Uh, you know, there have been uh, losses in certain sectors, but overall, it's been a huge boon for the economy. Um, you know, it's caused an increase in jobs. So for whoever out there is fearful that AI is going to take over their jobs or it's going to be a, um, a net negative, I, I, I would argue the, the, the opposite. I think this is just going to create jobs. This is going to just help the economy and help us um, be more productive. I feel like Komodo in the future could end up with... Um how would I describe this with a situation where I could go in once I've uploaded all my how to videos, I can just have anyone on the team ask a question and then AI will search all your transcripts of the previous videos and come up with just the answer with maybe mm -hmm. a link back to the video. I mean, the ability to do searches like that is pretty impressive yeah. and that's not future that's today, right? We're working on that, you just said. <laughs> I figured. Constantly thinking so about great. that. <laughs> so great, great insight. Um, and other things, it's, it's also, imagine that if you want to record something, you just type in, I need a screencast demo, and have a system go and interact with the site on your behalf, and generate 
a guide, as you saw, right? Like I want to add a user to Salesforce. How do I do that? Um, these technologies already exist. That's the crazy part. Is this, this is already possible. So I think what we're going to see is a bunch of companies integrate the chat GPT APIs. And it's going to be a little difficult to figure out who has the advantage because we're all going to be powered by sort of like the same yeah. engine, if you will. So it, it becomes a creative approach, right? How do you stand out? Because I think every SaaS entrepreneur is probably looking at how do we build this? You know, I hear this in executive meetings I'm in from different companies. This is a conversation that comes up all the time. How do we use this? What do we do with this? Let's assign a team. Yeah. Let's, let's get them figure this out. What do we do with AI? This is kind of more in it. In it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm seeing this in, in investor, public investor presentations, you know, that this is a very, because the analysts are asking these questions now in public companies. What are you going to do with this? How yeah. does it apply to your business? There's real, I, I think we're going to see some major transformations very quickly. Um, and like people don't realize how fast this happens because it's, it's exponential change, right? This is not a linear growth curve. It's exponential. So, so I, you know what I didn't either. Yeah. I started writing something and then actually I started editing a writer's work and then I said, you know what? I don't like this. I want to say, and then I couldn't think of what to say. And then notion automatically has AI put in, or I guess I got into their beta for it. I thought, this is not really going to work today. It's kind of gimmicky. And sure enough, it worked. It gave me my next line. And then it gave me the yeah. next one. As Now, I was still telling it what I was trying to say, but it organized it. And then I had another example. I needed to add another email to my, to my uh, superhuman app. And because I used two-factor authentication, my password wasn't working. You know, I needed to create an app-specific password. And so I Googled the answer, and the answer was it was just linking me to different how-tos that weren't working. I said, you know what? I've got this chat GPT. Let's go in there. And I typed in and it gave me the answer. But unfortunately, the answer was wrong. Yeah. And I realized it was because its data was just pulling in from Google's own sites, which were also wrong. Um, so then I said, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. There's got to be another way. Yeah. And sure enough, there was another way. And it, all I had to do is type in, it's wrong. What else do you got? And it gave me another way to get that. It's so yeah. freaking good. And to this morning, I was listening to I, the Vergecast. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. okay. I got to give you one more. That, that I've been keeping a journal for years. This morning, the Vergecast episode was about journals and security. At least that was part of it. And like, which journal do you use? How do you make sure it's secure? And then the issues for developers behind these journals for how, how do you keep it secure, but also allow people to, you know, find all their photos and all their journal entries from Christmas. And in it, they happen to say, and we're adding AI to a journals. And I started thinking about, well, yeah, then you could search and ask it questions. How was I doing about this topic at this time? And all that is just so exciting. So freaking exciting. And I guess for you, you're thinking that, that way too. Does, dream with me a little bit. Uh-huh. No, I just I just to steal a line from Jeff Bezos. We're a day one. We're a day one with this. Yeah. We're still a day one. So dream. Like, where would you imagine this going, Harry or, or Hanan? Where would you imagine either one of you? Let's let's try to visualize possibilities uh, and then go bring them about. It, it's such a complex thing because we're so bad at predicting the future. You know, <laughs> it is. It's almost like by default you're wrong. But I, it's it's all there's a lot of positive to it. But it also comes with a lot of negative, I think. And so every time I get an email, I don't know who wrote it anymore. 
You know, it's like, it's so easy to do that. Like all these emails become, it's very difficult to do. I just assume a lot of them are fake. But you know, for Komodo, it seems like the natural answer is search using AI and give people the answer either in text or text and the video that already exists and, and help them get the, help them get past uh, what's blocking them. Show them without having to watch a whole video. What else? Five, five funny side note. When I when I send out emails now, I have to put in a line. This is not a bot. This is not a. Uh, I'm a real person. <laughs> right. It's like a. Flag. I don't know how well that works. Look, I don't know how well that works, but I put it in there. I, I was answering you in the context of like in general, like where I think it's going and some of the troubles. And 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 Komodo specifically, there's yeah. a lot to do. And so, like one thing to look at, if you look at a lot of these tools that exist too, they're all single player. So if, if you take any of our competitors, you record something, you send it to somebody, there's a concept of folders, you know, where people share things. But folders are like, they've been around forever. There's no real sense of a team, right? So like if you invite a team, how does a team work together? So how do you do smart assignment? So for example, you have a client and a team, and you have your internal team, and then you have different experiences are not the same. A client is reviewing some of the stuff you're delivering. In the sense of like, we want to build a multiplayer experience here. Think of like multiplayer editing of video. Imagine this, this, uh, we can edit this together, right? And sort of like create content yeah. together in that sense. But even more, we're always thinking about increasing productivity. How do we help people that use the technology be more productive and sort of get out of the way? We're always thinking about that. That's why we created that editor that I showed you earlier on the Mac OS where you can remove things and keep 90% yeah. of the video, but change the introduction. I made this for Nike. Tomorrow I made it for Reebok, let's say, and keep the rest. But if you start to integrate the power of these tools, not only is it finding things like you said, right? Finding, discovery, answering questions and kind of like helping you stay organized. It can do things for you, right? And so like imagine that we updated Mixergy Uh, website tomorrow and then say, hey, make a screencast of what changed. And this thing just goes out there and starts writing an automation and it starts clicking around and saying, this is a new feature, labels it, makes a document for you and you have a deliverable and all you have to do now is just review it right okay maybe this i want to change that or that um it's it's hard to even like imagine where all the things are going to go um but if you apply it even from from us we're already using it for development so i'm I'm taking a lot of our code and saying give me give me write me a test script for all this code all these functions we have right test scripts let's say something that developers would do and now developers have been freed to work on other things so I think you're going to start to see momentum like we've never seen in terms of software and like what people put out there, because a lot of the boilerplate sort of stuff, it can just handle for you. It's phenomenal. And now that they have plugins, I don't know if you've seen that, they introduced plugins. I saw. Um, that's a huge deal. Um, yeah. You know, like I talked to folks, I heard an interesting comment a few days ago from an executive that they're challenging Apple with this. Because if you can put plugins in this thing and your interaction becomes messaging, you have, <laughs> you don't need to use apps. <laughs> Make a reservation at this restaurant and it just goes out there and it does it. So and yeah. he, it's only the beginning, like Harry said. It's hard to see, right, like how, how it's going to evolve. But it's happening very quickly. And just from my yeah, perspective. Siri's starting to look more and more stupid. <laughs> and just just from my perspective, it's 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 hard to predict. As Hanan said, it's hard to predict how that future is going to look like. But you know, one of the things that drive us from a 
from a product development standpoint, our part of our mission statement, if you will, is we want to give people back time, uh, however way we can. And AI is going to do that for us. And we don't know exactly how. We're seeing some of it right now, but one of the but I do know that it's just going to remove friction points. Make a reservation to a restaurant, book an airline ticket. I can just say it. It's just going to remove a slew of friction points that we uh, that we have in existence today. So how that's going to happen, I'm not too sure. Um, I don't know if anyone, any of us can predict uh, with 100% accuracy, but we do know that it's just going to give people back time. All right, let's if leave it like there and this, say that like right Sam now. And Lex Friedman. Uh huh. Is he on Lex Friedman? I didn't. I didn't catch that. I was just gonna say, there's a YouTube. You should check this out. Very important. Block out three hours of your time. I think everybody needs to do this because this industry changed. Lex Friedman and From Sam Altman talk about this for three hours. Like, oh, yeah. dude. Okay, that's gonna be great. All right, I see it. Lex Friedman with Sam Altman just came out three days ago. This is the future. I'm looking forward to seeing it on Komodo, but I'll say that even today, Komodo is phenomenal at a great price, which is basically free unless you want more features. I think for most people, the free version is just going to be phenomenally just, it's great. I, you guys don't even expire people's videos after a year or something. At some point, shouldn't, shouldn't you delete it and save yourself some space? We believe you own your data. So it's up to you to delete things. All right, right on. It's komododex.com. Gentlemen, thanks so much for being on here. Everyone, thanks for listening. Bye, everyone.